Yeah, look, it was the first thing I, I checked when I woke up uh, this morning, um, US time, and I was just really disappointed to, to see the decision that the cars had taken. I had I had hoped, uh, though I knew the decision would be uh, would, could go either way, I, I had hoped that uh, this would be the moment when uh, the Court of Arbitration for Sport would make a decision to end these kinds of practices in sport, you know, practices that have been around for many, many decades. I thought Semenya, you know, might be the athlete to have taken us to the point where we can finally abandon those kinds of rules in sport. Uh, but today, not our day. Uh, the fight continues. Now, as a former athlete who competed against us at the 2009 World Championships, did you ever believe at some point that high testosterone levels was a problem? Sure. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, I have... Uh, come from a place in 2009 where I actually opposed Semenya. Um, I believed, uh, well, I was very quick to join a chorus of voices around me accusing her of having an unfair advantage. Uh, and to be honest, I, uh, I made, uh, I formed my opinion without uh, really taking any time to, to reflect on it. I, I um, didn't have any alternative points of view being expressed around me and I certainly wasn't being encouraged to, to seek out further information before I uh, came before I formed my opinion about Cassius Semenya. So it was um, very much, I think, a sort of uh, in my case anyway, a very convenient position to take given I had been quite disappointed with my own performance at those World Championships in 2009 uh, and I think as a result of that I was, I was very quick to jump on the bandwagon of, um, of opposing Semenya and her right to compete. But moving from 2009, back in 2015, you testified in support of an Indian athlete, Dutty Chand, when she appealed against the IAAF's the previous set of rules uh, at the Court of Arbitration for Sport. Take us through that and why you deemed it necessary to give such support. Yeah, that's right. So after 2009, um, I suffered a career-ending injury and I ended up coming to uh, the United States to do my PhD in sociology, um, but not to study this topic. Um, and so it was quite unexpected when I encountered um, the very vast literature that's been written by uh, supporters of women's sport who oppose the exclusion of women with high testosterone and who have very carefully laid out uh, the scientific and the ethical dilemmas associated with these kinds of practices. Uh, for me, it was the first time I had ever encountered opposition uh, to these um, kinds of efforts by governing bodies like the IAAF. Um, so it was my first opportunity to really reflect on uh, where my opinions may have been coming from in 2009, the lack of information underlying them, uh, the sort of biases that were informing my views then, uh, so I really went through quite a, a, um, a big transition as a person um, in changing my views about about Semenya uh, and other women with high testosterone. In this case, um, is it a matter of scientific standards or do you think it's purely an ethical issue or maybe both? You know, I do think it's both. Uh, I, I know that the IAAF has tried to define this as a scientific issue and I think even the Court of Arbitration for Sport has made their decision as though only the science matters. Um, and certainly there are, there are many uh, questions to be asked about the science that uh, the IAAF is relying on to, to, uh, to support their rules. 
but I do think there are also some really important uh, ethical uh, questions to be asked, which should be, in my view, given equal footing alongside the scientific concerns. We're asking our listeners this morning whether or not they believe uh, that the IAAF decision uh, with, for athletes with differences of sexual development is unfair and racially motivated. What would be your, your take on that? And I've also mentioned that we, we saw a tweet a little bit earlier uh, by Sherwin D. Peters indicating, showing me a picture of Casa Somenia and the physical differences between Casa Somenia and uh, Jamila uh, Katochilova. Right. I mean, I think it's a. I think the question of whether these regulations are racially motivated and targeting Semenya in particular as a, as a black woman from South Africa, I think that's a really fair question to ask because there are a lot of things that are quite peculiar about this situation which haven't been explained. You know, for example, why do these rules apply to the women's 1500 metres and the mile, even though? The IAAF's own research doesn't suggest that these are events where athletes, uh, where, where testosterone levels are shaping the results. So, you know, why is it that um, why is it that, that that those events are included in these rules? Um, also, uh, when we look at Semenya's uh, margin of victory over her competitors, I mean, there's no doubt that, that she's been a very, very successful and prolific athlete in the 800 metres. But the, the the margin with which she's, she's winning is really no greater than what we have seen for athletes like Usain Bolt or even Paula Radcliffe, you know, a white British marathoner. Um, and yet, in, in their case, we didn't question their victories. We didn't call it out as unfair. So why is it that there is this focus on Semenya? And, and I, I think that those are very fair questions to be asked uh, and taken seriously.